You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. It justifies why many today are repulsed or even revolted when anything Christian is brought up or the name Jesus is evoked. In the story, it was the elite and the privileged who felt this disgust and loathing. But today, it's those on the margins of society, those who have been hurt by Christianity. Or Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 345, and our title this week is The Social Location of Your Christianity Matters. My heart is is heavy this week as I listen to some of the other Christian voices here in Appalachia. Uh, I, I wonder sometimes if we're even reading the same Jesus story, and I know that we're at least, at minimum, interpreting the story differently. I read the Jesus story as a story of Jesus being a conduit of hope for the disenfranchised and, and the oppressed in the Gospels. And, and this Jesus' teachings and, and his actions, they threatened the privileged and, and, and the elite, uh, the status quo, and therefore <clears throat> he had to be stopped in the story. The Jesus story doesn't center on a cross, though. It focuses on the life that overcame that cross, the, the life-giving that reversed and ultimately triumphed over the crushing death-dealing in, in the story. The resurrection event in the Jesus story is the divine response to Jesus's unjust crucifixion on a Roman cross and a system of injustice that culminated in, in such acts against Jesus and others uh, that, that were deemed social or political threats. The resurrection event, it, it speaks of a Jesus actually who stood in solidarity with uh, uh, oppressed people rather than with oppression and oppressors who benefit from uh, oppressing. As Western Christianity's social location changed, though, over the centuries, the religion that came out of the Jesus story, um, it changed as well. Many of the themes in the Jesus story became ignored or reinterpreted. Under the Roman emperor, the same empire, remember, that, that, that had crucified Jesus, also changed the the church's social focus and understanding of the gospel. The stories about Jesus that we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even John, they have political implications, and those implications became problematic as Christianity transitioned from a community of the oppressed, as James Cone used to say, to a, a community of oppressors. It's seemingly overnight, the Jesus of the gospels he, he became the Jesus of the oppressors. That's what many experience today. And this devolution or devolution of, of the Jesus of 
the 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 story it, it justifies why many today are repulsed or even revolted when anything christian is brought up or the name jesus is evoked in the story it was the elite and the privileged who felt this disgust and loathing. But today, it's those on the margins of society, those who have been hurt by Christianity or, or disenfranchised and harmed by Christians. The Hebrew narrative of a God who stands in solidarity with those who suffer at the hands of others was so strong in the Jesus story, and and I contest today that it's been subverted. Today, many of my non-religious friends who oppose Christianity that that opposition uh, it's rooted in a deep concern about matters of justice their intense dislike of all things christian simply expresses a much deeper internal revolt against injustice and and the religion of those who perpetuate it and and i acknowledge this i also want to recognize that european american jesus um the, the european american jesus who stands with the superpowers of this planet it doesn't exist in the biblical stories or even in real life. Uh, the Jesus that we find in the Jesus of the stories was radically inclusive. He, he sought to mitigate the harm being perpetuated towards those who are vulnerable and those being excluded in his society. He stood in solidarity with those on the bottom of our, our systems of oppression. And, and he, he flipped tables and challenged systemic and economic injustice when those for whom injustice meant simply, as Gustavo Gutierrez used to say, an early death. And this leads me to the, the inescapable conclusion that the Christian God of the conquering West, it's not the God we find in the Jesus story. It's not Jesus's version of, of, of God, uh, the Hebrew God. Uh, the God that many of us white Christians have worshipped all of our lives doesn't exist, but the God of the Jesus story exists standing in solidarity with the Abels and, and, and not the Cains, and with the Hebrews, with Jews and the first century followers of Jesus who were persecuted by the, the systems that they, they lived under. And today, this has to call us to reevaluate as Christians our standing in relation to the lives of those <clears throat> who suffer at the hands of systemic injustice as well. Lives of indigenous Americans, lives of black and brown people, lives of women, uh, the lives of poor people, queer people, and anyone whom our society relates to as less than. I believe the gospel stories about Jesus, they can still speak to uh, these communities of how another world is possible here and now, a world where the first are last and the last are first. And, and it's not a world that, that makes room at the top of a pyramid of oppression for people who were once oppressed like themselves. It's not, it's not a world where the oppressed become the new and inevitable oppressors, as Saul Alinsky imagined they would. The, the world of the Gospels is a world where the relationships of oppressor and oppressed are no more. We'll, we'll have outgrown survival instincts that, that may have once, at one time, in human Human history kept us alive, but are now impeding our, our survival as a, a human community. The themes of the gospel of Jesus are, are a universal love and a universal care about the injustices that 
beloveds are facing today. And this kind of gospel, it's not about postmortem bliss, but about a world in this time that we can shape into a just, safe, compassionate home for everyone. It's not a gospel of of mercy and grace and forgiveness that releases us from a a divine, punitive retribution. It's a mercy and grace and a a forgiveness of debt that, that gives birth to a distributive, restorative, transformative and reparative justice in the here and now it's a it's a world where where death is overcome by by life and not avoided but with greater death dealing even a cosmic death event the gospel of the jesus story is is one where we choose the path of of life-giving politics for our society and and guilt gives way to reparations and reparations and and eventually hopefully to reconciliation it's a world where we we reap what we sow and and what we've sown is compassion and love and justice and inclusion this is a world that is a blessing to those uh, the present arrangement oppresses. It'll be a blessing too uh, to those who, who who stand in solidarity with and give a voice to those who who, who have been oppressed. You, you can find this in Matthew chapters five through ten and Luke chapter six. And lastly, this is a world where where the means that we have used to build are the oak within the acorn. They, they have shaped the kind of world we have ended up with in the end. The, the, the means have determined our end. This week, again, I am challenged to, to believe that this kind of world is actually possible. What hurts my heart as someone raised within Christianity is to see how many, many Christians are allowing themselves to be misinformed enough to oppose the world found in the oldest interpretations of the Jesus story. And this month, the recommended book at Renewed Heart Ministries is Miguel A. De La Torre's uh, Building, or sorry, Burying White Privilege and Resurrecting a, a Badass Christianity. And while I uh, while th- this book is short, um, uh, it's timely and it's poignant. And, and and I was struck by a statement that captures the kind of uh, uh, Christian opposition that I'm referring to. And, and this is uh, Kindle Location, page uh, 239, or Kindle Location 239. While justifying their choice with pro-life rhetoric, pro-life Christians bloody their hands through their allegiance to death-dealing policies that disproportionately impact the poor, the undocumented, and the queer. Pro-life Christians in the United States who today want to, to build walls to drive brown bodies into the desert to die are the ideological descendants of pro-life pilgrims and slave masters whose invasion, genocide, and enslavement and rape epitomize the legacy of white Christianity. Every day... We have the opportunity to choose what kind of world we want to to be living in. And when we make these choices collectively, our choices create change. None of us can change the world all by ourselves, but together we can accomplish great and beautiful things. In the United States, we have the opportunity in just a couple weeks to work toward change collectively again. And I can't tell you who to vote for. What I can do is encourage you not to hold illusions about what the act of voting is in this country. I can encourage you not to try voting for a candidate um, and thinking that they'll heal all of our country's ills without failure. 
There are no heroes. And in the words of Alice Walker, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And whoever wins uh, in the election coming up, we'll have to hold them accountable. Uh, we'll still have to hold their feet to the values that, that, that we cherish. And again, we don't vote for ideal candidates. Instead, this year, vote for, for, the, for, for those candidates in, in, in your different positions that you believe will cause the least amount of harm and misery and oppression for the world's marginalized, for the world's disenfranchised and the underprivileged. Vote to, to mitigate harm while we continue to work every day toward a world where the vulnerable are no longer harmed. And to paraphrase what Vincent Harding used to say, we are citizens of a country that, that doesn't exist yet. Uh, but I believe that we can take steps that, that move us closer to the realization of our highest values and our ideals. It may be difficult this week to hold on to it, but I still believe that uh, another world is possible. Over the next few weeks, uh, let's move closer to it. Heart group application this week, we at Renewed Heart Ministries, we're continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected. <clears throat> Practice your, your physical distancing when you do go out and, uh, and remember to uh, wear a mask and, and continue washing your hands to stop the spread of the virus. This is a time, this is a unique time for us where, where we can also practice the, the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels. Make sure that others in your group, uh, they have what they need and, and that you're prioritizing protecting the most vulnerable within your heart group and even among your larger community. Number one this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what are some practices in other countries that you see support for in the Jesus story that you wish we also practiced here in the United States? Share with your group some of these and, and share also uh, how you see the Jesus story supporting these practices. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Uh, wherever you are today, right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.